Should Matthew Barzal shoot more often? Would that help the Islanders' offense? Plus, where does Pierre Engvall fit in best? And we continue our prospect look with a view of Matthew Maggio and his possible future with the Islanders. All that and more on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Barzell with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian. And I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. And welcome, everybody, to the Tuesday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everybody who makes Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you can get new episodes as soon as they drop. And you can now also hear us on the SiriusXM app, SXM. Just do a search for Locked on Islanders. Lots to discuss on today's show, but first, if there's something Islanders-related on your mind, if you have a question, a comment, maybe a topic you'd like us to discuss on a future episode, Feel free to email us at LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your first name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the show when we talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. You can also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles. And you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news notes and happenings throughout the rest of the offseason leading up to training camp. Hirings, firings, trade rumors, free agent signings, even minor league signings. We'll have it all for you right here on the Locked On Islanders podcast if it's happening to New York, New York Islanders. I wanted to start today with a question that I don't even know if I have a definitive answer for. I have a leaning. I have a, a, a hunch, an opinion, however you want to describe it. But I don't have a definitive answer in my own mind that is set in stone and I'm kind of interested in hearing some of your opinions so again uh, you know feel free to comment on YouTube or uh, on Twitter or email however you want to do it but the question I wanted to start off with was does Matthew Barzal need to shoot the puck more to help the New York Islanders offense and To me, there's two competing schools of thought. And the first school of thought is you don't take a a very good playmaker and skater and have him play away from his strengths. He, you know, Matthew Barzal is at his best when he has the puck on his stick and can create time and space by skating as quickly and changing direction as quickly as he does and then by making that good pass to set up a teammate. That is what he does 
best in the National Hockey League. Sometimes he overdoes it. I think he's getting better at cutting down on the overdoing it recently, but he does sometimes tend to uh, hold on to the puck too long, and that creates turnovers or forces a play when maybe there really isn't a play to be had. So that's sort of the downside. But the flip side of that, in my mind, is that say what you want about Matthew Barzal. He does have a pretty good shot. He just doesn't take enough of them. And look, his best goal-scoring year was his rookie year of 2017-2018, when he scored 22 goals in 82 points, uh, in 82 games, rather, 85 points, the only time he topped the point-a-game mark. But believe it or not, in the six NHL seasons he's had, and I'm not counting the two games he played in 2016-2017, Matthew Barzal has never taken more than 179 shots in a season on goal. 179 shots in, it was in 82 games, is roughly three shots on goal per game average. He didn't even have that over the last few years. So, he was shooting the puck a little bit more earlier in his career. And, you know, hasn't been doing that quite as much in recent years. And I'm not sitting here trying to say that Matthew Barzal should try to be a sniper. He's not Alex Ovechkin. He's not Connor McDavid. He's never going to be a 40 or 50 goal scorer in this league. But he can get you to 25, or 30 even, perhaps, if he just increases his shooting a little bit more often. And if he can get to three or four, three and a half, let's say, shots on goal per game, on average, for a guy who averages a little more than 18, 18 and a half minutes per game on ice, and is on the power play, always on the top power play unit, I think he can shoot the puck just a little bit more. Now, a lot of this is going to depend on how the lineups work. If they keep him with Bo Horvat, and it certainly seems like that is the Islanders' initial intention, Barzal's ability to shoot more may depend largely on who he, who the third member of that line is. If the third member of that line is Oliver Wallstrom, Barzal probably doesn't need to shoot as much. If it's Anders Lee, again, and I still think that Lee and Horvat should not play on the same line because their styles are so similar. If it is Anders Lee, I think maybe he should shoot more often because then you're going to have either Lee or Horvat kind of, you know, trying to screen the goalie, get those deflections, those rebounds, those tips in front of the net, and someone's got to shoot. It can't just be the two defensemen. So if that's the case, I think you do want a guy like Matthew Barzal to shoot the puck a little more often. It really is going to depend on who that other person is in the lineup. If it's, if it's Wallstrom, Wallstrom is more of a shooter. And then you would have Barzal as the playmaker, Wallstrom as the shooter, 
and then you would have Bo Horvat in front to clean up the tips, deflections, and, and screens. That would give everyone a set role. It, it really is interesting. But you know what? I'll say this. Get me to three shots on goal per game. Get me over that mark if you're Matthew Barzal. I'm not asking you to be taking six, seven, eight shots game in and game out. That's not his strength. But his shot is better than I think he even believes it is. And he needs to have a little bit more confidence in that shot and maybe figure out how to go to the net a little bit more often instead of trying to make that perfect play to set up the tap-in and the easy, you know, pretty goal. Just go out there and put pucks on net. Good things happen, as the cliche goes, when you put the puck on the net. And I think more good things would happen to the Islanders offensively if Matthew Barzal averaged three, three and a half shots on goal per game over the course of a full season. So let's see what Barzy can do. I don't want to change his game drastically, but I do think that just thinking about shooting a little bit more would go a long way toward improving his goal numbers, getting them between 20 and 25, let's say, for the season, and breaking things up. Because you know what? Because Barzal is a skate-and-pass guy first, he can surprise some defensive players by shooting the puck first occasionally or a little bit more often. He can create more opportunities for himself and his teammates the more off-balance that he puts opposing defenders. And one way to keep him off-balance is to be less predictable Shoot the puck a little bit more often, and your passes will be that much more effective, and you will surprise some people, and those shots have a better chance of going in if people aren't expecting them right away. So, to me, doesn't have to be a drastic change in the way he plays his game, but just a slight emphasis on shooting the puck, and I think it would make a big difference for the New York Islanders. All right, we have got more to get to on today's show. We'll talk about Pierre Engvall. Where does he best fit into the lineup? We'll talk about that. We also have our Islanders birthday of the day, and we continue our prospect look with our analysis of Matthew Maggio. All that and more still to come on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by AG1. Our next partner, AG1, is the daily foundational nutritional supplement that supports whole body health, and I literally use it every day. I gave AG1 a try because I don't like to take a lot of pills, and this makes all my supplemental needs in just one glass, in one uh, scoop in a glass of water. I drink AG1 before I head out in the morning because it gives me that boost to start my day. And look, when you have AG1, you're getting 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens to help you start your day right. And it, look, it supports gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, all these things. It costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's 
cheaper than your cold brew habit. So that's always a plus. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplemental routine, try AG1. You'll get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash NHL Network. That's drinkag1.com slash NHL Network. Check it out. So Pierre Engvall, to me, is just an interesting question. And I think how he does in training camp is going to be important. Look, last year, Engvall acquired at the trade deadline from Toronto. On the Maple Leafs, he was buried. Uh, They have (coughs) so much top-end talent on that team. (coughs) Excuse me. He was seeing third-line minutes, and not a lot of ice time. And then he comes to the Islanders, had a little bit of a a struggle early on, but really found his game down the stretch, played in 18 games for the Islanders, was a plus-7 in those 18 games, five goals, nine points. And, you know, you get 41 points over the course of a season from a player like Pierre Engvall, that's not bad if he's on the right line. And <clears throat> during the course of the season, Engvall primarily played on a line with Brock Nelson and Kyle Palmieri. And they really did find excellent chemistry together on that line. Because I, I think it worked because Nelson is the, and Palmieri will both shoot the puck Palmieri has a little bit of speed to his game when he's healthy, and I think Engvall was able to keep up with him (coughs) and compliment him in that respect. But is Engvall best suited for second-line duty? We saw throughout the last, let's say, 10 games of the regular season and in the six playoff games that the Islanders played against Carolina that Engvall had that good chemistry and and seemed to do well. And that line, by far, when the Islanders were playing down the stretch and needed to win almost every night just to squeeze into the playoffs, that line of Nelson, Engvall, and Kyle Palmieri was by far the most consistent line in the lineup. And it was in the playoffs, too. If you needed a goal... That was the line you put out there on the ice. Bo Horvat wasn't scoring uh, at at that point in time. Anders Lee was struggling. (coughs) We know that Matthew Barzal at that point was just coming back from an injury. Wasn't 100% either. You didn't get a lot of offense from the third line for most of the playoffs. J.G. Pajot struggling. Most of the offense came from either the identity line in the playoffs or from that second line. But... You know, does Engvall's speed possibly make him a candidate to play with Barzal and 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 Horvat? I don't think so, but it might be worth a, a couple of shifts during the preseason to see what he's capable of doing. He can always drop back to the third line, which is where he played in Toronto, and certainly whether you move Hudson Fashing up, whether Zach Parise returns and he moves up, uh... There are a number of different possibilities there, but to me, I would figure on, you know, last year 
You had Engvall on that second line, and it worked really well. I'd start him there and then try to figure out, you know, where he goes. Wallstrom could also fit in possibly on the second line, and then you could move Engvall down to the third line, but then who's going to be on the first line because you don't want Anders Lee and Bo Horvat on the same line together. These are all questions that Lane Lambert is going to have to answer. And I think the bottom line from an Islander's perspective is this. The, the, the ultimate question that needs to be asked and that Pierre Engvall needs to answer is, was his strong performance down the stretch just a question of the guy getting hot at the right time and just having a, a good string of 10, 15 games? Or is it a question of him finally getting enough ice time to realize his potential and to have sort of a little bit of a breakout season that would help him take his game to the next level? And then you put him on that second line and establish him. The other thing about Engvall, <clears throat> he is fast. He has size. He, he is a, a, one of the bigger players uh, on uh, the Islanders right now among the forwards. I mean, he is officially listed at six foot five, 219 pounds, but he's not a physical player. And I think you have to sort of take that into consideration. In the 18 games that he played with the New York Islanders, Pierre Engvall was credited with a grand total of eight hits. That's less than one hit every other game. And look, there are some players who are just not going to be that physical. You could have one or two, maybe three, sprinkled throughout your lineup. But, you know, that to me also says, where do you play them? Because... Who's going to protect, for example, uh, Matthew Barzal if you want to try Engvall on that top line? Who is going to get that kind of a job done? If the third line is more of a checking line, is it possible that you know Engvall doesn't fit in necessarily as well with J.G. Pajot and Hudson Fashing because he's not as physical or is that the perfect place to put him because the other two guys can be physical and you don't need him? to be as physical. These are all variables that the coaching staff is going to need to figure out. And they're going to need to figure it out in training camp and in the preseason. The one thing we know about Lane Lambert, though, he's never afraid to mix up his lines, even in the middle of a game. So what we see on opening night certainly may not be what we see even in the second or third period of that game, let alone a week or a month or three months into the season. But this is, again, just one of those things that will be important for the New York Islanders to figure out to try to maximize their ability and their potential for this upcoming NHL season and to compete with the teams fighting for playoff berths in the Metropolitan Division and the Eastern Conference. All right, we have got... More to get to on today's show, our Islanders' birthday of the day coming up. He only played 15 games with the Islanders in the late 2010s and scored a very strange goal. Let's see if you can guess who that defenseman is. And then, of course, we're going to talk about Matthew Maggio as we continue our look at the Islanders' top prospects and what they need to do to, to 
get into the NHL and what their potential might be. We'll have all that and more coming up on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. So we continue our look at Islanders prospects, and today we look at Matthew Maggio. Every day or yesterday, we started off by taking a look at Ruslan Iskakov. Matthew Maggio, fifth-round pick in 2022. What a year he had last year with Windsor. 54 goals and 111 points in 66 games, including a plus 41 rating. He's a right-handed shot, 6 feet, 185 pounds. And I I guess the question with Maggio is his skating. And right now, most scouts say his skating is below NHL average. And he really played well in juniors, and I I gave you the stats, although he was 20, he was an overage junior, but again, when we did our show on Friday, and we had the hosts of Locked On NHL Prospects talk about Maggio, they think that his shot and his offensive ability will translate to the AHL and possibly to the NHL, but again, his hockey sense, his puck skills, his, his shot you know, these are things that the shot and the compete level are where he shines in most scouting reports. Those are above NHL average. The skating is below, and then the hockey sense and the puck skills are NHL average. He's 20. Now, granted, he's only played three games in the AHL right now. He had two assists in those three games, was a plus two. Barring an incredibly strong training camp. I think Maggio starts the season in Bridgeport. But if he gets off to a strong start in Bridgeport, he has a chance to get that that midseason call-up or that injury call-up and play a few games with the big club this year with the hope of really breaking through next year. Now, The Athletic recently broke down the scout, uh, you know, the top prospects in every team. And, you know, they, they, they sort of say that Maggio looks like a depth piece in an NHL organization, which is consistent with what our crew at Locked On NHL Prospects said, that he's sort of a third or fourth line NHL guy who might have a chance on the second power play unit if he can get his skating improved. And to me, at 20, he still needs to add maybe a few pounds to his frame uh, and mature in that sense physically. Get used to playing. You know, it's one thing to play against 17, 18, 19-year-olds. Even in the AHL, he's going to be playing against grown men, and he's got to show that his game can adjust to that but I think he has a legitimate chance to make a, 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 get a cup of coffee with the big club this year and really make an, an honest effort to make the team the following season in 2024-2025. And if you remember, Matt Martin's contract is up by then. Cal Clutterbuck's contract is up by then. 
there are a few other players on this Islanders depth chart who, you know, will be unrestricted free agents at that point. And the Islanders might just, you know, have a little more room on the roster for Matthew Maggio at that point. And look, it could be sooner. They could also make some trades. So there's a lot of variables between now and then. But to me, Maggio gets a cup of coffee this year, has to prove, A, he could play against adults, B, that his skating is good enough at the next level, and then maybe Matthew Maggio gets a long look in training camp next year and has a chance to crack the everyday lineup. But again, kind of fingers crossed with that, and Maggio... A guy who, again, drafted late in the fifth round, who has a chance to really carve himself a niche in the National Hockey League if he can continue his development. Time now for our Islanders' birthday of the day. And uh, yesterday, Monday, was the 32nd birthday of former Islanders defenseman Brandon Davidson, the Tabor, Alberta native a six-round pick of the Edmonton Oilers back in 2010, made his NHL debut with the Oilers in 2014-2015, and then played for the Canadiens, back uh, to then the Islanders, the Blackhawks, and then the Flames, Sharks, and Sabres. Last year, splitting time between the Cleveland Monsters of the AHL and uh, a league in Sweden where he played seven games. Davidson as a defenseman, you know, 6'2", 205, but not the most physical guy out there. He's kind of a fringe-level NHLer, never played more than 51 games in any NHL season, 180 games total, 9 goals, 23 points, and 82 penalty minutes. Played in three playoff games with Edmonton in 2000, uh, excuse me, with Montreal in 2017. Was an Islander for part of the 2017-2018 season, one goal, one assist, and four penalty minutes. He was a minus eight. His goal came on March 3rd, 2018, in Pittsburgh against the Penguins. It was Christopher Gibson in goal for the Islanders, Tristan Jarry in goal for Pittsburgh, and it was a weird goal that Brandon Davidson scored to open up the scoring where he came down the, the sideboards and kind of put the puck softly toward the net, and Jarry kind of tripped over himself and couldn't field the puck, and it went in. I'll tell you, the Islanders should almost pay Tristan Jarry because he has been a big asset to this Islander team, and I'm kind of half-joking, but you know his inconsistent goaltending has helped the Islanders on several occasions. It was true of Brandon Davidson's only goal as an Islander, and Brandon Davidson is our Islanders' birthday of the day. I want to thank everyone again for making Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show. We will continue our look at some of the Islanders' top prospects. We will take a look at Callie Odelius tomorrow and see what his prospects are short-term and long-term with the Islanders. Until then, have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. And of course, let's go Islanders.